Welcome to the Yanagita Podcast Show, episode nine. Oh man, I'm in a special guest today, Blaine Geisen, who is a former NFL player with the Atlanta Falcons, served as the director of athletics of Kamehameha School for over 25 years. Now, the executive director of the ILH, the Interscholastic League of Honolulu, and of course, my former boss at Kamehameha School, Maui, Blaine Geisen. Blaine, welcome to the show. Thanks, Justin. Glad to be here. Oh, man. So, Blaine, I'm curious. How did this all start for you? I mean, because you seem like such a humble, disciplined, hardworking, you know, just a great human being. And I was just attracted to that. How did this all start for you? Well, obviously, it started with my mom and dad. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here, right? <laughs> well, it's, it's real simple. You know, I was um, born and raised here in Oahu in, in, uh, in the district of Kalihi. And this was back in the early, late 60s, early 70s. And uh, it was a time where, uh, again, things were simple. It was nowhere what it is today. I mean, today, living in today's world, there's so much going on. It's, I, I don't know how, you know, th those things would have worked back in those days. But in our days, it was very simple. Uh, every, you know, you didn't have computers. You know, you didn't have cell phones. Uh, you need to carry a quarter and a nickel or a dime wherever you went so you could catch the bus. <laughs> If you missed the bus or you needed something, you just get on a, a regular public phone and, you know, you drop a dime and you called home and you had mom and dad to tell you what to do. You know, nice. so it was a real simple, <laughs> it was a real simple way of living for me growing up. And I, I basically, um, my parents are my role models. They were my heroes, my mom and dad. My dad was a military guy, he spent a number of years in the Navy. Uh, my mom uh, was a Wittemeyer. And if you know the Wittemeyer family back in history here on the, in the islands, uh, see, that was a very, a very athletic family. Uh, my uncle's Herman Wiedemeyer, Charlie Wiedemeyer. That was my mom's brothers. So for me and my brothers growing up, uh, you know, it just uh, seemed only appropriate for us that uh, athletics or sports was going to be a part of our lives. You know, and it certainly was. You know, my grandfather wow. was a, both grandfathers were fishermen. Fishermen. You know, fishermen yep. And, uh, you know, so we spent a lot of time. Uh, we weren't uh, playing football or playing basketball or baseball or mm -hmm running track. We were on the ocean, uh, obviously, every every weekend. So it was a real simple life and a wonderful one. So uh, that's, that's basically amazing. Yeah. That's but I, you know, I was very fortunate. I was one of those very fortunate guys that, uh, you know, uh, with the right guidance and again, the right leadership with parents, having good parents and having a good family. Um, you know, I, I made a lot some bad choices, but for the most part, I think the good choices outweighed the bad ones and things came up okay for me. Love that. Oh, man. So what was, I love this, that it starts with the parents and what were some of the, the, I guess the actions or the lessons that your parents did or shown where it kind of helped you? Cause there are people probably like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, first and foremost, I mean, love, you know, love conquers all things, you know? And so my love family it. was certainly filled with a lot of that, mm -hmm. but in regards to some of the values that we learned from an early age, you know, my mom and dad were always very strict about, well, my dad being a, a former military guy, you know, there's a lot of discipline, obviously. Um, we always got, uh, we got corrected, you know, and usually you get corrected with the paddle or the belt back in the days, <laughs> you know, that was expected, <laughs> you know, but it was done out of love. So that was, that was a good part. But, you know, basically we learned, I learned with my whole family, my, my brothers and I and my sisters, you know, we, we, we were taught to never lie, never cheat, you know, don't steal, mm -hmm. um, simple things, you know, don't whine, don't complain, you know, and don't make excuses. I mean, you know, you grow up, you do the right thing. Um, 
and my grandmother was a full-blooded Hawaiian on my oh. dad's side. And so, uh, you know, one of the things, she always spoke Hawaiian when we were growing up. And one of the things she always shared was, with us was the word kina ole. Uh-huh. And, and basically, kina ole means just doing the right thing, you know, to the right person, in the right situation, at the right time, for the right reason. And it was a lifestyle. You know, you did what was right, you know. And uh, so that's how wow. we grew up. That was those were the values and the principles that we had. That is incredible. And see, now going back into grandparents and parents, and it kind of like went down. And I'm curious, because I was reading about some of the stuff and also heard from other people about you being a stud athlete in football. <laughs> how did how did help? How did football kind of guide you in that direction? Because I, I can imagine you were one of the really hardworking guys, put your head down, kind of grind. And, um, what was that like? playing football in high school in that teenager age? It was fun. You know, mm-hmm. it uh, never really realized that I had the type of talent that was going to go ahead and get me a college education. Didn't realize that even after getting a college education, playing football, that I'd have the opportunity to play in the National Football League. That was the farthest thing from my mind. In fact, you know, I've told a number of, I've spoken at a number of different uh, functions, and I've always told people that, you know, I was able to live a dream I never dreamed. You know, I never had dreamed of playing in the National Football League. It's just something that happened. Um, yes. But, you know, football wasn't my favorite sport. Uh, it, it was huh. basketball. Yeah, basketball. I love, love playing <laughs> still play that today every once in a while. We film these nice. Games. You know, I just, uh, back in the day when, uh, when I was in high school, I just didn't think that I was big enough, you know, or uh, to play the game. Because, again, I'm, stand, I'm only six feet one inches tall. But, you know, back in those days, you're looking at – Seven footers, six eight, six nine. <laughs> There's a local guy in Hawaii. No, basketball ain't gonna make it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have some wisdom, and my dad, my dad and my mom basically says, "Hey, you know, I think you're a much better football player than than uh, you, you are a basketball player. You know, because you just don't have that height." But and they were right. So you know, proper guidance, good guidance, and again, making right choices. Things worked out well. That's amazing. So wait, take us back to college. So after high school. I know you won some awards there and then college happened and you went to school for uh, pre-law with a minor in secondary education. And how was that balancing football and education? Cause I mean, that's a tough balance for a lot of uh, athletes. Yeah, it, it wasn't easy. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't easy at all. I mean, you know, trying to, uh, trying to be a, you know, I was under scholarship at the university of Hawaii. Uh, very, very fortunate to have had that opportunity. Uh, and then, you know, playing football was basically uh, my, the vehicle for me getting my education. Um, and I wanted to make the best of it. You know, again, my coming from a dad that was very militaristic, very disciplined. Uh, you know, I was uh, I learned that that was a key part of um, the success that I've had was just making sure that I had all my ducks in order. You know, I made sure that I crossed all my T's, dotted my I's. And, and it just started from basically good habits that uh, I acquired growing up, you know, first thing in the morning when you get up, you know, you make your bed. Okay. You make your bed before you leave the house, you know, it was very simple. Um, you know, when you, 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 do what the, you do all the simple things that you needed to do and you took care of business first, you know, as soon as uh, you, you go to school, you come home, you get your homework done, you know, and then after you get your homework done, if you, well, try to get some of it done, then you can go to practice. After practice, you're right back home, you take a shower, do your chores right back in the, uh, finishing up your homework, and then by you know, 9 o'clock, you're in bed. I mean, it's real simple. See that? I love that. And that was in, that routine kind of followed you throughout college? Yeah, it did. You know, when I was uh, – the, 
the timetables changed a lot because yes. you know during the course of playing football we there were a lot of meetings Yes. So you would have your practice. So you'd go to school in the morning or wherever mm -hmm. you, whenever you uh, basically schedule your courses. But then you always had the afternoon free because you had to make sure you took care of your obligation playing football. And so, you know, we'd have our football practices. After football practice, we'd have our training table and then we'd have our meetings after that. So by the time we actually uh -oh. got done football, it would probably be about 8 o'clock or so, 8.30, you know. Mm -hmm. And then after that, now you got to spend some time and make sure you get your education your homework done, you know. And in college, uh, there's a lot of self-discipline. And so for me, it was pretty easy because, again, coming from a you know, family with a dad that uh, made sure we, uh, we walked a straight line and did what we had to do. Priorities were, you know, were number one for us. So I didn't have a problem with that. Um, staying, going to the library and staying in the library till 12 o'clock at night wow. you know, to get, make sure I get my homework done. Uh, you know, that was, that, that was a given. You know, I was there for a reason, you know, and I wanted to make sure that I fulfilled my obligation you know, being under scholarship and again, more so to myself, to my family, to get my education. Holy cow. So like, see, that's amazing. So that kind of led into graduating college with pre-law and a secondary in education, secondary in education. Mm -hmm. And from there, how did the NFL thing happen? Was that right after or? Well, actually my, you know, <clears throat> as I said earlier, um, you know, it was just something that I never anticipated. My, right. My whole goal was to go ahead, and I took the LSAT, which is the entrance mm -hmm. examination for law school, mm -hmm. applied to a couple of law schools, did get in, mm -hmm. uh, but then all of a sudden, I get all these phone calls. I got invited to play in the Pula Bowl, the Japan Bowl, and uh, next thing you know, I have all these NFL scouts that are calling, uh, asking for uh, to meet. A couple of them came down to Hawaii to actually put me through the trials and do an individual workouts, because back in the day, they had... Uh, they had a scouting combine, which was the mm -hmm. NFL combine, and they just had one of them. It was back in Tampa Bay, back in the days, and it was just one of them. Yeah. yeah. After that, you know, um, and you didn't have the pro scouts going all over the place and having these combines at different colleges like they do today. Back then, you just had they were out there. They'd you know they'd watch film, check on you, see if you're capable, and if you got invited to the combine, then you're one of the lucky guys. of the other the um, other teams seemed to be interested in uh, in my ability and uh, lo and behold I, I was given that opportunity and and took advantage of it see that's incredible and like what was that experience for you because people are probably listening and that is such a rare experience to have to be playing in the professional football league and a lot of people listening to this high school college athletes middle school parents that are listening to this probably like wondering what was that like for somebody from Hawaii to go into that kind of environment and experience? What was that like for you? It was amazing. Uh, mm -hmm. It was, uh, uh, I wouldn't say it was a rude awakening, but it was just a totally different environment. You know, coming from Hawaii where things are so family oriented and uh, you go out there, you do your very best, you love on everybody. You know, now you, you step into the, uh, to the National Football League and it's a business. You know, you find out that football is still a game when you get on the field, but there's a lot of business behind that. Uh, and, uh, and, and a very lucrative business as well, because there's a lot of money for, you know, that, that can be made. So, you know, I was just uh, enjoying the whole experience, knowing that here I was getting paid, you know, money to play football, you know, a game that I love, you know. So, but the competition was fierce. I mean, the, the talent level is just unbelievable at that level. Uh, the competition is just uh, day in and day out. 
Uh, you know, <laughs> back in the day, not like today, we only had mm-hmm. like about, I think it was 40, no, 42 people on the roster. 42. So it was, wow. Yeah. So it wasn't, you know, making it in the National Football League was an <sighs> easy task. You know, yeah. you would have maybe 200, you know, trial. Oh, I mean, not 200. My. You would have maybe 200 free agents that would try out mm-hmm. on a weekend and out of the 200, maybe 10 of them get invited to camp, you know? Wow. So I was lucky I got invited to camp right from the beginning. So again, it's uh, it was a thrill. It was a real thrill to be able to be a part of the National Football League. And you know, for me growing up, you know, I used to watch the NFL football on the black and white TV set that we had in our house. You know, <laughs> you know I just, I would watch it and you know, but you yeah. never think that you'd have that opportunity, you know, watching people like Roman Gabriel, Johnny Unitas, you know, those type of players back in the day. I guess I'm dating myself now, but watching those guys play, you know, I never thought that I'd have the opportunity to do that. So, mm. you know, I was, I, was, I was a spectator and I was a fan, but uh, all of a sudden here I was, you know, wow. standing in Fulton County Stadium with my helmet underneath my arms and the national anthem was being played. I had to actually, oh. you know, not knowing, you know, hard to believe that here I was actually being in the National Football League and playing. That's incredible. <clears throat> and you know, the audience is going to hate me if I don't ask this. What was your most, me- one of your most memorable moments playing on the field? They, they're uh, probably wondering. Mm-hmm. My first NFL football game, it, it was probably first the one. most memorable one. Yeah. And oh. the reason for that, again, you know, it was a dream I never dreamed. But standing mm-hmm. on the sidelines just prior to the kickoff, Mm-hmm. Uh, we had, well, even before then, you know, we had gone out to the field to do our pregame stretching and our pregame warmups, and we were playing against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. And as I'm standing on the field stretching, I'm looking over the other side of the field, and there's Terry Bradshaw, Franco Harris, Marvin oh. Webster, you know, all these Len Swan, you know, these these all pros that you see on TV. And all of a sudden, I'm on the field, and we're playing, you know, that's the guys I'm going to play against, you know. And then just standing wow. on the sidelines and having the national anthem being played, and, you know, just listening to the national anthem and just seeing mm-hmm. that whole that whole experience was just, uh, it, it was like, it's hard to describe, but it was one of those moments like, wow, I'm actually here. I actually made it, you know. A kid from Kalihi, you know, grew up in Kalihi, went to Kamehameha schools, flew clear across the country to play football in the National oh. Football League for the NFL. Mm-hmm. I was just, it was, uh, it took a while for me to adjust. That's, see, that's the story right there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And and the NFL that that career went on for how many years? Was I was that, there for uh, five years with the Falcons. Five years. Yeah. Wow. That is yeah. incredible. And then after the five years, was that the transition to Kamehameha's uh, athletic director? Or yeah, well, actually, no. After after my time in the National Football yes. League, uh, my wife and I we, we were having our second child, uh, okay. my oldest, and so we uh, ended up. Uh, at first, we were going to stay in Atlanta and live there. There's more. There were a lot of opportunities for me oh. to, you know, make a living there, and we really enjoyed the Atlanta. Mm-hmm. It's like our second home. But we decided to come home, and typical mm-hmm. Hawaiian family, you know, be with the mom and dad and make sure mm-hmm. we're growing up else. And so came back home, <clears throat> and had a was a dabbled in, a, in some businesses that I I had gotten involved in as far as investments and so forth. But then oh, eventually man. ended up working for Master Navigation. And I was mm-hmm. down in navigation for about a year, about for about two years. Mm-hmm. And then eventually uh, the opportunity was presented to me to uh, come to Kamehameha Schools and, wow. uh, and basically be a part of uh, that administration with Dr. Michael Chan. Wow. And, and I, I was reading that it was 25 years. 
if I'm not mistaken, 25 years? Between 28 the two years schools? altogether. 28 years altogether. Wow. That's incredible. I mean, from the very beginning to, was that when Maui's location opened that you transferred over? or No, no. I, I, Maui, the, the Maui location was already, in, the whole school was already going by the time going. I got there. Yeah. I was, wow. uh, I stayed at, I stayed at the Kapalama campus for 25 years and then three 25. years over Maui. Yeah. Wow. And then what was the transfer or like the inspiration <clears throat> to move to Maui? Um, well, Leanne DeLima, she was, okay. uh, she was a year younger than me while we were in school at Kamehameha and mm -hmm. she was the head of school at the Pukalani campus. And we wow. would always have our administrative meetings and we just ran into one another and we talked and mm -hmm. through just casual conversation, she had mentioned, we said, you know, I really love to have you come up to Maui you know, and be a part of our program. And I said, well, what do I have to do to get there? <laughs> and, uh, you know, she thought I was joking, but I was really serious about it. And we had another conversation not long after that. And next thing you know, there was an opportunity. Uh, there was a change that was made there. There was a vacancy uh, with the position. So I got a call to see if I would be interested in it. And uh, basically I uh, flew over, had a meeting with her and uh, the administration there and the rest was history. Wow. So this was 2011, 12? Oh, was it? No, oh, it was, when was it? Yeah, 11 or 12. Okay, nice. Yeah. Wow. And in those three years, what was like one of your most memorable moments that you're kind of like, oh, okay, wow, this was, I mean, there's a lot but between the sports, um, anything. Yeah, you know, like anything else, when, when you're involved in athletics, when you're involved in education, you know, the kids is basically the goal. Being able to make a difference and being able to make and have an influence on people's lives and, and basically help young people become the very best that they can be, especially for, for me being involved in interscholastic sports. Uh, you know, it, it was you know, just a tremendous opportunity, uh, mm. again, to go ahead and share with, with kids from the island of Maui, which, which they're so different from, from here on Oahu. You know, they were so uh, open, willing, and strong desire to to be the best that they can, hungry to, to be the best that they can. Uh, and mm -hmm. so they were, they, they were like sponges, you know, what the things you would share with them, they would just soak it in and actually go out there and give it a shot. Not that the people over here didn't, but mm -hmm. it was just a different community, a different culture, uh, one mm -hmm. that was welcoming, one that you really felt loved and appreciated all the time. And see, going into that, talking about your the influence and bringing people up, <clears throat> and I will always remember this because my fiance was the one who mentioned about the spot with the Kamehameha School strength coach, strength and conditioning position. And I remember thinking, oh, I wonder who the, you know, athletic director who I'd be meeting with. And then I, I, I had looked it up and I was like, oh. And I remember thinking I didn't have the right credentials. I think it was like a certain certification or something like that. And then I, I just called and showed up anyway. And one of the things I really respect about you is like, you're so humble. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, like this guy is probably gonna, you know, rip my head off or do something or say something. I walk in, it's like, hey young man, uh, welcome. And uh, yeah, so tell me what you got. Run me through some scenarios. Like what if this, and how would you train this guy? And we just kind of role played and sat and dialogued. And, um, and you just said, okay, well, uh, I'll give you a call back if, you know, and just this opportunity, uh, 2015, 
it changed my life because before this, I was only working with maybe three or four athletes as a trainer uh, privately. And it, it really opened my eyes in terms of like how, how to work with other people in like big groups, stuff like that. And I'm forever thankful that, you know, you were like, okay, let's do this. Let's give it a shot. And so I'm always thankful for that. That's why I always tell everybody I was talking to um, uh, Kevin O'Brien. We just oh. interviewed uh, Alika, Alika. Mm -hmm. I was telling all of them and they're such a great team over there too. And mm -hmm. oh, it's so humbling. But yeah. I'm so thankful. I'm, I'm curious, like, what do you look for in people to bring onto your team? Because that seems to be another big area that people want to know about, too. Especially, like, a great leadership style that you have, where it's very, like, you ask a lot of good questions and they kind of direct them. And I'm, I'm just kind of curious, what are your, some of your practices? Well, I think that the, the first thing is really just mm -hmm. looking at people for what they are. Um, mm. You know, when you came in into the, when you came in and we had that meeting, you know, right off the bat, the thing that I recognize most about you is the energy that you had. Of course, you were a young kid, you know, mm -hmm. stepping into a new position, <laughs> but you brought this energy. And with that energy came a strong sense of confidence, even though you didn't have, you know, all the credentials behind you. Uh, mm -hmm. But you had a plan. You had mm -hmm. a plan. You believed in your plan. You, you believed uh, not just in the plan, but in your ability to go exercise the plan. And then more importantly, your willingness to go outside and make a difference in people's lives. You know, in, in that business, that, uh, you know, in that position that you applied for, you were going to have daily contact with young people, you know, mm -hmm. and you had, uh, it seemed to me back then, it was a gut feeling that you had a tremendous way of communicating with kids or communicating with, communicating with young people like that. And, to get where, and you had that skill, that, that ability to just go ahead and, and uh, make a difference. You know, they would sit there and they would listen. Oftentimes, young kids, you know, they talk to older people and say, oh, boy, what does he know? He's been there for too long. You know, so you brought a freshness, you brought an, you brought an excitement, and I saw that in you, and, and again, you had that plan. Uh, the only thing you didn't have was a whole lot of experience, but you're only going to get that if somebody gives you a shot. You know, somebody gave me a shot years ago, you know, so I just played it forward. You know, you want good oh. people, so that's what we do, you know. Man, I'm forever grateful, and this is why I want more people to kind of know all the good stuff that you do. And you know, like honestly, because we talk about leadership in our in in our gym now with our trainers, and I give a lot of examples, and I always share your example of your leadership style as one of the one of the best bosses that I had. You were so like like tactically, you you knew a lot. And then also you gave me like a lot of free reign and autonomy to kind of create my own programs. And cause at first I was thinking, okay, you're going to be, you know, exactly like these things, but it was more like, here, here's what we want done. Uh, you're probably going to work with these teams. Can you figure out something? And I was like, cool. This is like, dang. And I, I didn't know how to explain it at that time, uh, five years ago, but that was just so attractive, that type of uh, leadership. And I was like, wow. You know, that's why I keep talking about that. So I'm sorry. I'm like, just, I'm just like fanning out right now. So for people <clears throat> listening, that really did change my life. And the course of the gym, the course of writing a book, the course of fighting sickness with fitness, none of that would have happened if that never happened. If he didn't give that opportunity, which I'm forever thankful for because of the people that <clears throat> we had the privilege to work with. 
uh, following that opportunity. So I love that, pay it forward. And so now, and then you've, uh, your new adventure at ILH, what is that like? I know, especially now during this, you know, situations, um, what are some of the things that are going on? I know with sports, there's probably some stuff can't mention yet, but um, what is it kind of looking like with the ILH right now? Well, it's not just the ILH, just the entire state, you know, entire we're basically, state. we're basically, you know, on, on a, on a holding pattern mm. in regards to the future of Hawaii high school athletics. And it's, uh, it's been frustrating, <clears throat> you know, it's been very frustrating, but of course the, the priority is always going to be the safety, you know, of our mm -hmm. community, of our culture, of our state. And of course the lives that we represent is for us in the, uh, in, in the education system and the business mm -hmm. that we're in working with young people's lives, that's always going to be our priorities, their number one safety. So athletics for the most part is really on the back burner. <clears throat> you know, even though we, um, you know, we, we as people who work in this opportunity to, pr pr to provide, you know, the student athletes throughout the state participatory opportunities in athletics, you know, mm -hmm. we are basically in the secondary part of it because it's education first, you know, and that's how it should mm -hmm. be. So right now the focus is on <clears throat> for most of the schools in the state, whether it's public or private, mm -hmm. is to get things rolling so the kids they can get the kids back in school. Um, once we do that, and once that's done, we're hoping that the athletics can follow suit and we can again go ahead and make it safe enough for for the kids to go out and participate in athletics once more. Um, but it's uh, mm -hmm. it's it's you know we haven't gotten the word yet. Uh, there's still a lot of things that are going on. In fact, I think. We kind of have uh, we've been taking a couple steps backwards because of the spike in numbers again. I think we were at the right course, you know, things were moving, mm -hmm. but according mm -hmm. to the uh, the phases that we're looking at, we were at one time moving into the phase three, and where we could actually get things rolling again. But after mm -hmm. these past couple of test results, it seems like we've fallen back to a phase two, mm -hmm. and by doing that, that means we can't be able to go out there and do what we want to do. So it, it's going to take some time. Again, I know that uh, we have uh, our government leaders that are making those decisions, people like Dr. Park and, and others that uh, have been very, uh, um, very, very helpful in regards to helping us with what we need to do. But mm -hmm. we, you know, we've been working quite diligently you know, throughout the state, and mm -hmm. I'm talking about all the leagues, not just the ILH, the MIL, mm -hmm. the OIA, the BIF, and the COI people. You know, we've mm -hmm. been working collectively to go ahead and put together contingency plans so mm -hmm. that when we do start, you know, our, our parents and our kids will be able to go ahead and get into an environment where, again, their safety is going to be first and foremost. Uh, we're not going to jeopardize that. And we want to make sure that then we're giving them every opportunity, but it has to be safe. Wow. See, that's great to, to know, like, that's so much uh, planning and thought process go on different perspectives, opinions. And I love that. And it actually makes me feel a lot better knowing that there's a lot of, you know, things that involve and thought processes and holy moly and kind of changing gears i know this will probably be in the future or in the past i'm kind of curious some um, especially as a athletic director mr guy i'm curious some um, what were some of the common mistakes that over the 28 years that you've seen that some of the younger athletes would do come in with workouts yeah maybe the, maybe like working out mistakes or maybe mindset mistakes or something that you've kind of saw over the last uh, couple of decades? Well, I, I think today's mm -hmm. kids, quite honestly, um, and just from, from, you know, having uh, the opportunity to, in the ILH, to see mm -hmm. kids from all the different schools, 
uh, the opportunities they have for themselves today is much, much greater than before. Mm. I mean, you've got strength and conditioning programs, which you run, you know, mm-hmm. and so we didn't have back those things back in the day. Back in the mm-hmm. day, you didn't have as many um, what you call football camps or volleyball camps that basically specialize in that certain sport. Mm-hmm. Today, a lot of kids can really specialize in sports programs. And so you, that's why you don't have the multi-talented athletes anymore. Majority mm-hmm. of them are going to stick to one club sport or, or two sports at the most, you know. And then you have all the clubs that are out there in volleyball and basketball and and with soccer, you know, and they travel throughout the world. So it's not like uh, how it used to be in the past where you would have seasonal athletes. They go from playing in the fall, then they play in the winter. You go from football to basketball to baseball or Mm -hmm. volleyball or wrestling and then to track. You know, now a lot of the kids are basically throwing all their eggs in one basket and just focusing in on one sport, Um, Mm. you know, and and they they do a very good job of that. And the, you know, the, the training program is totally different. Um, what the colleges are looking for in high school athletes today is totally different from the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, again, it boils down to, again, what the kids are learning in the high school level, you know, having good coaches. And mm-hmm. I think the coaches that, uh, that are coaching in the high schools today, regardless of the sport, there's mm-hmm. so much opportunities and so many ways mm-hmm. to learn. And to, especially with, you know, uh, you talk about the computer systems that we have, being mm-hmm. able to go ahead and communicate with people across the country, share ideas, so there, there's a world of, of, of lessons that are out there for people to learn. And, and again, to use the video as, as the training mm-hmm. program, you know, back before you never had those things. Oh, the video. Yeah, you never <laughs> had those videos to see what you're doing and look at the mistakes. But now with modern technology, it's amazing, you know, mm-hmm. what these people can do with mm-hmm. it. All the, all the education, the YouTube, right? These are all like last 15 years yeah. in cell phones. <laughs> So, you know, going on that topic, staying on that, I'm curious, like, what, because of your experience also as an athlete and then also as a AD, I'm curious, what are some of the qualities that you see in a, maybe a sports team coach that you know that they can take their team to maybe MIL or, or the state champions or, you know, to that next level and really bring out <clears throat> the best in the athletes? What are some of those qualities that you've seen from some of the coaches well you know for every coach the x's mm-hmm. and the o's everybody has that you know yes. all the coaches have x's and o's and mm-hmm. and that's expected in that position uh, mm-hmm. but the key is really relationships relationships you know, knowing how to go ahead and develop mm-hmm. those relationships between a coach and a player between a coach and parents you know uh, for example you know one of them one of my mentors and one of the, the people that i always looked up to was dick Tomey. He was mm-hmm. my college football coach at the University of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And he just had a way of just uh, getting people to do their very, very best. And not just their very, very best, but we found out we ended up doing things we never thought we could do, you know. And it's because mm-hmm. he brought the best out of us. And he, he, was, he was very interested in, 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 in us as mm-hmm. people, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, to tell you the honest truth, he was one of the first men in my life that ever since, you know, he told me that he loved me. Well, my dad never told me I loved me until when we got older, you know, but coach told me, wow. I remember after playing with him and knowing him, he would grab me and says, you know, I love you. And I was like, Oh, mm-hmm. coming from Kalihi, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, it's, is that, how do I act? How do we react to that? You know? But again, I, but it was, it was because of relationships, you know, mm-hmm. he was a guy that uh, I learned to trust. In fact, mm-hmm. back in the day at the university of Hawaii, we were good because we had a coach that cared, you know, he mm-hmm. considered, 
he considered others as more important than themselves and he did everything in the world to make sure that we could be the very best that we could be you know wow. and that was relationships and i think that's that's what's happening today with a lot of the schools and a lot of the uh -huh. teams and the programs that are very, very successful. Mm -hmm. Look at these teams. I mean, everybody's got talent nowadays. I mean, there, there's mm -hmm. a lot of great talent, whether you're talking about high school, college, or in the professional level. But mm -hmm. how do you get all of that talent together and be a champion? You know, mm -hmm. and it's through those personal relationships that those coaches have. They're great leaders because they care. They're great leaders because they're examples. They're great leaders because they're oh. willing to lead. Wow. Oh, my mind's being blown on this one. I love that. Relationships, care, and example. Be the example. I love that. Holy cow. Now, I'm curious, Serene, after hearing this whole thing so far, any questions? What are some questions like that have on your brain that you're like, oh, man, I want to ask this? It's like uh, going back to your NFL career. It's like, you know, you said your most memorable moment it was like, how was it when you always went on the field on your game? Like, was it always the same feeling you had or it's like, was it always like different? Like, how'd you feel when you stepped on the field every game? Well, you know, that was my most memorable moment because that was, I mean, I, it was a confirmation that I actually made it in the National Football League, mm -hmm. you know, and back in those days, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of people from Hawaii, you know, in playing in the National Football League. We, we had a handful and, um, <clears throat> Quite honestly, Hawaii was the best kept secret, you know, in regards to football players and producing great athletes. Um, you know, of course, we had the Duke Hanamokus back in the day, my uncle Herman Wiedemeyer back in the day. But, you know, now you look what's happening today. You know, before we never had major colleges like Alabama and Florida and LSU coming to Hawaii to recruit our local people. Well, that was a big secret back in the day, and it's no longer a secret. They're coming <laughs> left and right out here trying to get our kids because we've got good talent, you know. But back in the day, they never did that. So when I was playing in the National Football League, you know, I, I wore the flag. I wore the Hawaiian flag. I was I was proud of my culture. I was proud proud of my heritage, and I was proud to be a part of Hawaii and coming from Hawaii. And I know. When I was in Atlanta, you know, there was a story, the Mad Hawaiian, and that's what they, that was one of the nicknames I had when I was over there, because I hear as a kid from Hawaii playing football, and, you know, you just go out there and just have fun playing, and yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know why I got them, they, they used the word Mad Hawaiian, but they, I guess they thought I was angry every time I was on the field, but it was just, I was just so thrilled to have been able to be able to do something that I actually saw on TV, you know, and here I was doing that, so, but it was fun, you know, that that's why that, that first game with the national athlete it really kind of solidified that, wow, I made it, you know, but there are so many other memories, you know, so many other memories playing against people like, you know, Len Swan and Kenny Stabler, you know, um, just on and on and on. I mean, names after names, I can, I can list a whole list of Joe Montana's and so forth. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, uh, it was just a real thrill. You know, and then the thing about it too, is that uh, they're great people. A lot of those guys were just, you know, just, just like me. We put on our socks and our shoes and our pants the same way. You know, we all had a skill and an ability to play the, the game of football, and that's what brought us together. But you take off the pads, and we're no different than anybody else. You know, they're just good people. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I – and that's, this is the thing, Mr. Geisen. Like, from the time I, we connected five years ago to now, you have so much energy – coming from the inside, going out, you create a communication, you get at making people feel a certain way. And it, like, it, like, I'm just so curious, are there, there's gotta be something that is like a staple for you or like a routine or a habit. Maybe you do something with the family once a month or, or 
what are some of the habits or routines that you have in your life that help you um, maintain this per level of performance? Uh, well, I think the whole thing is, it was basically my upbringing, you know, the upbringing. values and the principles that my mom and dad basically taught us. You mm -hmm. know, my dad was always one of those people, you know, he'd all say, don't cry, don't complain, don't make excuses. And, you know, as he said, you know, when you think you have it bad, just remember there's somebody somewhere else that has it worse off than you. You know, mm -hmm. so those kind of things that we need, that would always, he would share with us. And, you know, he always, my dad would always say, you know, be a person of influence, you know, mm -hmm. make a difference. You know, you, you've got the, the ability to go ahead and then play the game. You've got the ability to go ahead and do what you do. And if anything, one of the greatest satisfying feelings is to go to look <clears throat> to help somebody and know that you've made a difference, you know, in their day, made a difference in their life or whatever it may be. But just being able to go ahead and contribute in such a way that, uh, you know, you feel good about what you're doing, you know. Mm. Influence and discipline. I love that. And, you know, going into self-discipline because I, I love that word and that what that means is because i remember i can't remember if it was you or uh kevin o'brien at that time it was it was the whole lesson about doing things even if you're not feeling it if it's for the greater good um and i at that age at 2021 i was thinking like huh like that's so interesting like so you don't have to be excited and fired up and motivated every day. Just, just consistently do it. And I think it was, you're telling me that that's what discipline was. And I was like, or self-discipline to do things consistently, even on the days that, you know, athletes might not want to do their homework, still do it. Even if you don't want to work out, still work out. And I just remember like that lesson was like, Oh wow. Like I, I remembered that. I was like, dang, it's so powerful. Mm -hmm. So yeah, right. yeah, you know, that, that's one of the things my dad always shared with us, too, was, you know, <clears throat> you need to do your very best even when you don't want to. Yeah. <clears throat> so you've got that's what discipline is, is giving it your very best when you really don't want to or when there's nobody watching, mm -hmm. you know, and oftentimes, you know, people do all of a sudden there's that burst of energy because somebody's watching them. But can you give your very best when no one's there? You know, can you <laughs> do your very best when things are not going right? You know, oftentimes, yes. people, are, you know, they'll just throw in the towel, ah, I'll do this tomorrow. No, <clears throat> you know, you've got to make a commitment and stick to, stick to that commitment. And that's what, we, that's what we've learned. That's what I've learned. And, you know, when you talk about athletics, you talk mm -hmm. about championship teams, mm -hmm. you know, those teams are there because you've got people over there that made a commitment. Mm -hmm. They made a commitment and the sacrifice to go out there and they'll do whatever it takes mm -hmm. <clears throat> to get them to that point where they can be successful. And, you know, you're not always going to be successful. You're going to have those moments where sometimes your very best may not be good enough today, mm -hmm. but you keep working at it. It may be good enough tomorrow or next week, but that's the goal is to continuously work to find ways to improve and to get better. You know, oftentimes we have people that, uh, you know, they, they get to the point where they become satisfied and, and that's it. They don't think they have to go any further. But I remember mm -hmm. a saying that coach Tomi gave us back when we were at the university of Hawaii, he said, Show me a satisfied individual and I'll show you a failure. So don't ever be satisfied. With nice. Wow. Show me a satisfied person and I'll show you a failure. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. That's powerful. Continuously improving. I love that. That's what it's all about. 
Dang, this is what a what a what a treat that uh, you know you're spending this time and thank you so much. And last couple questions, um, Serena, did you want to slip something in? I'm good. Yeah. So one of the questions I love good. asking is um, if you could go back to yourself, if you could visit yourself as an 18 year old, what advice would you give to yourself at 18? <laughs> wow, <clears throat> back at 18 years old—that's a long time ago. <laughs> that that's a very long time <laughs> I can't even remember what I look like or what <laughs> you know like anything else you know when you look mm -hmm. back uh, you know what you think about the question you just asked um, mm -hmm. I wouldn't change anything mm -hmm. you know, I wouldn't change anything that I've been through there's a reason you know I believe that you know God has a wonderful plan. It's always had a wonderful plan for my life. Um, and, you know, you take it day by day, you know, you give it your very best. And that's what we've, uh, that's what I, I learned uh, from my parents was that uh, every, every single day you get up in the morning, you go out there, you thank God for the, the life that you have and just give it your very best. Sometimes, like I said earlier, your, be your very best may not be good enough, but then you learn from them. You know, you want to make sure that if you make those mistakes, then correct them and don't make them again. You know, that's all a part of just growing and getting better. So, you know, when I, I you talk about me being, let's see, 18, when I was 18 and boy, I made a lot of mistakes, you know, there are decisions that I made and choices that I weren't very proud of. But again, the good thing is, uh, again, because of my background and because of the influence of my good parents, you know, um, I was able to correct those mistakes and, and make it right, you know, so. Uh, very grateful for that, you know, and like anything else, you know, we, we, we're not in this life alone. We're, we're in this life together. So, you know, it's more than just your parents and your family. There, there are people out there that are friends that, you know, are, can be just as close and just as good as family members. And so it's, uh, it's again, surrounding yourself with good people, surround yourself with good friends. I know that's one of the things that my mom always shared with me and my brothers when we were growing up, you know, choose your friends wisely. You know, make sure you stick around people that are going to be influential to you and to others. You know, be positive and be good. So just real simple principles. You know, those are the type of gems that, that uh, really give people inspiration and move forward with that. So, and everybody wants to, you know, everybody wants, everybody wants hope, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to know that, hey, you know, there, there's, a, there's, there's, there's a lot of good, you know. So, and mm -hmm. I think, you know, we, we need to tell people that more often than we should. You know, a lot of times they don't hear it enough, you know. And again, there's a lot, I appreciate a lot of the, the people that have been in my lives and, and you know, I, I tell them, tell them what, a, what a difference you've made. And just being able to, you know, to see my brother and say, you haven't seen my brother every other week or so and have dinner with him and his wife, you know, that's a blessing to me. Mm -hmm. So little things like that, you know, it goes a long way. Wow. And, and, you know, that's beautiful. And just speaking about that, I, I just want to acknowledge and appreciate you, Mr. Geisen, as continually you know, influencing Adding Valley, even like even now, this conversation that we're having, I'm so thankful. And um, yeah, I really thank you so much for, you know, investing your time with us, uh, these 45 minutes and going on to our final question. I love asking this. So we authored a book called Fighting Sickness with Fitness. And I'm curious, what does fighting sickness with fitness mean to you when you initially hear that? Fighting fitness, um, fighting, sorry, fighting sickness. yes, sickness with fighting fitness. Sickness with fitness. <clears throat> well, I, I think it's a, it's a, it's a great saying, um, and it fits you well. From the time I first met you in the office, you know, 
and then that's why we, uh, you got the job was because of the energy that you brought. And people need to understand how important it is to stay fit, to be active, to be fitful, to stay healthy, you know. Um, <clears throat> and a lot of that is because uh, it's from making good choices, you know, and that's what we need to do. If there's anything we want to do in life is make sure that we make good choices and we can help and be, a, be influential to others as well, you know. So when, you, that, that, when I think about what your, your, I guess that's your saying for your company. Yes. Yeah. Fighting sickness <clears throat> with fitness. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you can get up in the morning and be mm -hmm. disciplined about getting your workouts in and getting your exercise and eating properly and staying healthy, I mean, that is just, uh, I mean, it, it becomes, it, there's a certain joy that comes with all of that. You know, when you worked out at Kamehameha <clears throat> with the kids, mm -hmm. you know, after the session, one of the neatest things about watching what you were doing with the kids, when they were done, the kids felt like they did something positive. Mm. And you basically shared with them uh, that energy. And so they were able to go ahead and, you know, what they did was worthwhile. And then they couldn't mm. wait to come back the next day. Next you know? And, and so, you know, and, and that's, that's basically what, when I think about, you know, your fitness program, you know, dealing with sickness, I mean, that's what we strive for. We strive to be the very best that we can so that we can live another day. Well, that's the mic drop. Boom. <laughs> wow. I'm going to Yay. <laughs> I love that. Mr. Geisen, I uh, just want to thank you again so much, you know, for coming on to the show. And uh, was there any last thing that you wanted to share with our audience listening? And I'm sure some of our staff from Kamehameha are going to listen to this and some former athletes as well, too, and parents. And also people who are going to be hearing this for the first time about you. Well, thanks for just for having me, Justin. I, I'm, I'm extremely proud of you, uh, what you're doing, and uh, the influence and what you're doing in, in the community up in Maui. Uh, I certainly love Maui. I certainly love everybody at Kamehameha Maui. I sure, truly miss it a lot. Uh, I'd like to come back one day, you know, just because of my wife and I just really enjoyed our time over there. Uh, but for such a time as this, I'm here, you know, doing what I need to do with the ILH over here. But again, I really appreciate the, the, the just the, the culture, the community, and the leadership, you know, at Kamehameha Schools and uh, you being a part of that and seeing what you're doing now in the community, you know, not just at a school, but, you know, how you're reaching out into the community and, and the, uh, the difference that you're making in the lives of people up there. So thank you for the work that you're doing, the sacrifices that you're making, and for being a positive influence. Dang, Mr. Geisen. I'm humbled and I'm so grateful. And uh, yeah, thank you again for sharing your experience and your knowledge with us and everybody listening at home or in your car. Uh, until next time, stay healthy and keep on fighting sickness with fitness. <laughs> and that's a wrap. <laughs>